Welcome back to another episode of Roll Call with Chappie. I got a special treat for you guys, as always. Some of you guys might know who he is, some of you might not. Um, Kyle Stark, and I will tell you how our stories kind of intertwined. He was actually, as everybody knows, I got in the car biz when I got out. It's the only job I ever worked. And you were actually the general sales manager, finance director, and my friend, Chad Seymour, who is my co-defendant. Shout out to Chad Seymour. That got me hired at Marquette. You're the guy that trained him. Yep. And Chad was a beast, ran awesome numbers, and was, was. the man of finance. Yeah. And we never worked together, but I'd always heard stories about it. So you were like legendary. Yeah. This dude has, a, all right, he has the, the same name I had in prison he has in the car business out here. So <laughs> you have a legendary status in the car business out here. So thank you for being here. I'm excited Absolutely. to, I feel like this episode is going to teach people a lot of stuff. And um, we're going to get into how your little crash at the car dealership and where you are now. Absolutely. So let's get into this. I don't know anything about how you grew up, and I always like to get the stories of how different people grew up. So you're from Arizona? Yep, born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, um, right? Yeah. Cool. Tucson. Uh, went, grew up there. Uh, had my first kid when I turned 18. Got into the mining business for about three minutes. Really? Yeah. Were I, you in sports anything in high school and stuff? Oh, yeah. Played basketball. Um, outside of, of basketball, I, I trained with the wrestling team when I could. I, they were just during the same time, so I couldn't mm -hmm. do both. Um, and my dad would kill me if I didn't play basketball. So that was that was my love growing up was was basketball. Um, after high school, I uh, got into the mining business for about three minutes, and then got into the car business at 18 years old. And at 18, 18. Yeah. Who got you in there? So I, the mother of my children, my first wife, uh, her sisters lived in a small town in San Manuel, which is just north of Tucson. Okay. There was a small car dealership there who I kind of became friends with one of the salespeople. Okay. Just from looking at, at getting a bigger car when we were having our kid. Uh-huh. And uh, we got to talking with Dan. He was like, you could do this. You could really do this. And I was 18 and had a lot of confidence. And I was like, you know what? If you, you can do it, I can do it. Thing out. I was like, yeah, that did probably looks a little better than the mine, oh, 100%, right? 100%. 100%. And I, I grew up with an uncle who was in the car business okay. who always had a wad of cash. And I remember that. So between the two of them, I was like, I'm going to do this. So Yeah. So how did it go for you at first? Good. Real good. Yeah. Killed it? Yeah. Started I, just printing money? Yeah. I started at a real small store. Um, I started at that Sandman Ford. Um, and we didn't have any sales managers. So we upped them, desked them, boxed them, delivered them. Wow. It was four salespeople and the owner. So it was a great experience to you get to learn a lot of that stuff. knowledge at such a young age has really helped me in my career. But yeah, it was, I mean, obviously there were times I struggled, like my first six, seven months in the car business, I would fold cardboard every morning and put them in the ball of my shoe because I couldn't afford new shoes. No and way. The asphalt was so hot it would burn my feet. So every morning I would take a little cardboard block and have People a little folding you it. blow through shoes at car dealerships oh, yeah. too. Like yeah. I had shoes that looked brand new on the top and they're like the soles yeah, on the bottom gone. were like yeah. holes in them. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. You get your steps in at the car dealership. For sure. Um, all right, so how did that tell off and how long did you end up working there? Um, I worked at Sandman Ford for almost five years. Wow, okay. Uh, we, it moved to Oracle Ford, so it moved to the main highway, which is between San Manuel and They have Tucson. a Lincoln dealership too, right? They did. I was just they, on the phone yeah. looking at Aviator right now. It's yeah. Oracle Lincoln. Yeah, I don't know if they still have it. Do they still have it, Oracle Lincoln? Unless it's an Oracle Ford, but it's a Lincoln at that dealership. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if they still have the franchise, but yeah, they did. Okay. And uh, So how was that doing that, raising a kid, at being so young? It was tough, man. It was tough. I was 21 and Were you home, with the woman that, kids. were you with oh, the yeah. woman? Okay. Yeah, we moved in together. I was 17. She was 18. Okay. Um, I had my kid six weeks after I turned 18. Moved in. We both had to grow up at 18. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she didn't work. It was very important to me for her to take care of my daughter and, and for me to provide a certain lifestyle. And For sure. Um, we, we struggled, man. It was 18 years old going from being a kid to an adult with an actual family. There's Makes you appreciate money, though, when you've come from nothing and struggled before, too. 100%. Um, all right, so you did that for five years, and then what was your next route? I went down to... So 
from there, the big town was Tucson. Okay. And I started hearing about some of the money that they were making at some of the bigger stores in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Looked into it and immediately started doing that. So okay. I went to Holmes Tuttleford as a finance manager and then kind of worked my way through the ranks there. Um, left there in early 2000s, um, went through a divorce, wanted to be there for my kids. Uh, How was the divorce on you and your kids? It was tough. It was, you know, it wasn't easy. Anytime you put your kids through that, it's, mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but we were 18 years old when, you know, we, we didn't really ever date. We dated for a little bit. She moved to the other side of the world, literally moved to Indonesia, came, came back, got pregnant, and went back to Indonesia. No way. Yeah. So her dad, what was ran, she doing in Indonesia? Her dad ran mines. Gotcha. So it was just a very, we didn't know each other. Yeah. And, I mean, now we get along great, but our divorce got ugly, man. I mean, there really? were years where we could not talk, even through email. It was only through attorneys. Like, no it was, way. Oh, it got, it got brutal for a little bit, which, you know, only ends up hurting the kids. Yeah. And, and uh, a lot of that was me and my... I'm sorry, were you, are you using that this time at all or no? Not when she... No. When we got the divorce, no. Now, I wasn't abusing them. I, I had some surgeries, and I would take more than I was supposed to, for but sure. I would take them for three or four days and wouldn't take them for months, you know? So there was no... I would abuse them when I had them. There were the... the on, early onset starting package, I guess, if you will, of, mm-hmm. you know, the signs of addiction or abuse. Yep. But no actual issues at that point, none at all. Did you, did you think about it at all? Or no. Thought, you had some no. my mind. Okay. No. So got to keep in mind, when I started getting pills regularly, it was early 2000s, late, very late 90s is when I had my first surgery. Early 2000s is when I started getting pills somewhat regularly. There was no opiate epidemic. There was no, I mean, I would literally call my doctor and he would have a script at the front desk for me. I would walk in, hand me a script, I'd go fill it, and I would get this huge tall bottle of, they were uh, Perk 5s with the 325 Tylenol in them, and we just kept them at the gym. Just, they were just there, everybody took them whenever. It was just no that's big deal. That's why I like the story, because there's so many people that get involved in opiates yeah. and stuff, and they have no idea, and you think like people are shooting it, it, heroin. It, it never, never that case. never crossed my mind that I, that I would end up with an issue with them. It didn't, didn't cross my mind once. Okay. Um, how did you migrate then from Tucson all the way up here to Arizona, and when did, or to Phoenix, and when did that happen? My new wife. Okay. It makes me sound like, I mean, <laughs> there was a many-year gap between the two of them, yeah. but my, my current wife and I have been together 14 years. Um, when her and I started dating, she lived up here, and I was down there. Okay. Um, at that time, I had a clothing line. That's really all I was doing was events with the clothing line. She had applied to manage one of the, the fights with the iFight girls that we would have. And uh, between us first starting dating and you know my pill usage at that time, kind of ran that into the ground and knew I was going to have to get back into the car business. And, uh, Thinking back now, because clearly you don't know how it's starting to go downhill a little bit while you're hitting the pills. Now that you know all the signs and all that stuff, like how did it start going downhill and then how quick did it? And it was just one like you're like, I'm doing a pill a day now. I'm like just going to two, but you don't even realize how bad it's getting. Well, because you're kind of new to it, too. So you don't really kind of like don't know until you get sober. And then you can like reflect back like, holy shit, what was I doing? Kind of yes to all that. Like okay. you, you start realizing like I, I can remember one time very specifically going to grab pills out of the console in my car. I left them in my car and grabbed them and there were only like two left. And that was the first time I was like, good gosh, you went through these in however long it was. It was a few days and yeah. they were gone. And I was like, oh wow. And then immediately you start playing the game with what your is head. It? Are you thinking I may have a problem or are you thinking just- I immediately start justifying it. I yeah. immediately start justifying it. You're a horse, you have to take a lot. I, my body's always had a real weird tolerance to substances. For sure. I know a lot of people say that, but like when I have surgery, they tell you to count backwards from 10. I always make it, and they look at me like I'm nuts. Really? I have a very, very high tolerance for. I think it's. 
I get so nervous with that kind of stuff yeah. that my body just metabolizes. That was really, really expensive quick. for me in prison having a high tolerance for dope. Oh, I'm oh sure. Oh, gosh. I'm sure, yeah. It's, it's not a good thing. Yeah. But you use that as a mental justification for a lot, and I think that a lot of addicts, whether it's a high tolerance or a tolerance that's built up over time, use that as an excuse to kind and of... And here's the deal. As, as us addicts, if it, was, if it was that, it'd be something else. We're always going to find an excuse to justify it. You know Absolutely. We're the best there is at Yeah. It. So did you... Um, you still just got the one kid at this time? I have two kids. Okay, I had my kids. second kid when I was 21. And then you migrated straight up to Mark Mitsubishi? No, I no. went up to a Ford store. So the last store I had worked at was, um, well, Holmes Tuttle. I had a brief sit in... Uh, Colorado at Phil Long Ford. Okay. They, they moved me out there. I, they brought me out there as their general sales manager. Um, at the time, I was going through my divorce, and I was told I could take my kids out there. Found out I couldn't take my kids out there, so I went back and was like, I need to go back. And so I went back, and uh, at that point, started settling in. That's when we ended up coming up here a little while after that. I started back at a Ford store with the Van Tile Group at Camelback okay. Ford. Huge mistake. <laughs> To go from a store in Tucson to a Van Tile store Van and not Tile even know what Van Tile is. I had no clue what Van Tile was. Like, I did not know what I was stepping into, yeah. especially Camelback Ford at that time. So, stepped back into it, was instantly miserable, but started making some, some good money. Yep. And, uh, and money can keep you happy for a certain period of time. Yep. And that's, that's really where I started getting introduced to big boy pills. That's where I got my really? first 30. I, I, I had a... And you're like, this is easy. I don't have to take the whole bottle now. I don't even remember what I said was hurting. I said something was hurting. And one of the sales guys is like, I got something. I'm like, what do you got? He's like, have you ever taken one of these? Nope. I had taken 15s before, uh -huh. but I hadn't taken 30s. Took one of those and was like, I like this. This is going to be a problem. And I knew instantly that that was a game changer. Really? Didn't know addiction-wise. I just knew that that's all I would want to take. I didn't want to mess with anything else, if that makes sense. I didn't Isn't know. Isn't it crazy that we have that feeling where we can go from, like, you do a drug and you feel like it's the best feeling in the world, and you're yeah. like, and then it just comes to a point in time where you're just like, don't want that shit anymore. Oh, it's like. I despise them. My, my, oh, yeah. My wife, I, I had a colonoscopy because I'm old. And they, when I woke up, I could tell I had an opiate. Like, the second I woke up, I was like, what is in that? And they start writing off, and there was fentanyl in it. And I was like, I told you guys I'm an opiate addict. Yeah. I'm fine, but you do that to somebody who's three months clean. you got a problem. You For can't sure. do that. But I have such a, Anyway, back to my wife asked me, does that make you think about missing it? Did you miss that feeling? And I was like, I have such a despise for them just because of what they did to my life and mm -hmm. the fight. Get it, bro. Take your time. Just to get my arms back around my life. You know, it, 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 it's just, it's, it's a very personal thing for me. And, and uh, yeah, I, I despise those things. That's awesome. So how did, um, once you got that Perk 30, did you just start going to run right there? Or were you still just like dabbling here and there? Oh. And like, Cause I like to t teach people here. And a lot of people too, if they're listening, there's certain people that are going down this straight road right now. You know what I'm saying? So like, I want to raise a lot of like, how watch what you're doing and you yeah. can cut it down right now. And instead of going the whole way, you know 100%. what I'm I, I was very aware of them and was very keen in getting them. Now, I didn't have a physical dependency for a little bit. Yeah. I, I didn't get to a point where I would be physically ill without them for a while. I was abusing them, but it would be on, off, on, off. Okay. And I don't think I had it for a long enough duration to get physically dependent. That even is, just blows me away because I've never, ever done a drug and then like, oh, I've got to take, take tomorrow off. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's like that. Like if I'm doing meth, it's all day, every day, yeah. heroin, the same exact thing. It wouldn't be because I didn't have it. I oh, didn't I, want to. It would be because I was out. Like that was the only reason I wouldn't take them. Gotcha. That's, I was never because I never had some and was like, I'll take them tomorrow. Okay. That was never. And you're not really that familiar with like going and finding drugs or pills at this time. Not at really all. Didn't not know at how all. To do it. But started very quickly. So Look, God, you look start asking salespeople. Yeah. 
And for me, it was always for somebody else. Mm -hmm. I never needed them for myself. It was always somebody else who needed them. I got a sick aunt at home who's on my couch. Yep. You got a bad back. Yep. It was always some excuse. And so then I started buying them from other people. And through that, you create little networks. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward years later, I had in my phone what dates, what person got the prescription, how many they were getting, how many I bought last time. Like, I would yeah. call people the day before. I, I did not mess around. Like, you're getting them tomorrow, I'll take all of them. That's $700. Cool, I'll take all of them. Like, whatever it was, it, wow. it, it morphs. You get to that point. You know, okay. I spent, sat in parking lots for hours yeah. waiting on people. It just, how's, the, how's the kid life at home right now? Good. I, okay. We have none at home. They're all old and gone. No, I'm saying back then at this time. When you're oh. 21, just starting to oh, this stuff too, it, is it? Well, at 21, I wasn't really abusing them. It was, they were from five, six on through their teens, their later teens, they were, they dealt with me dealing with pills. So, I mean, they have been driven to terrible places with bullshit excuses that a buddy of mine, I need to give him some money. He's, mm-hmm. he's in a bad spot and daddy's got to give him some money. And, mm-hmm. you know, we got to drive to this part. Got to help out a friend real quick. We got to swim and hit this ATM though. Yep. And so... Yeah, they they were very aware of of when everything washed out, they became very clear of it. Okay, is that why you left that dealership to go over to Mitsubishi? Was it kind of start a new path, or did you just migrate over there for any other reason? Oh yeah, no, I I left I left Camelback because it was a Vantile store, and I kept getting my pay messed with. Yeah, I quit fifteen. Then you heard a few stories. You're like you're like you work at Vantile, you're in the car biz, you know? Yeah. So then you went to Mitsubishi. Then I went to to uh, I went to Kia. Oh, you started at Kia, Mark Kia. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And how was that? Good. It was, it was really good. It was, uh, I went in there originally as a finance guy and inside of a couple months was the director. And then inside of a few months after that, maybe a year, I was the, the GSM and still kind of the director over the Mitsu store. And where did you learn? Cause I mean, it's all sales right there, but like, I'm not joking. Like you have like, you were legendary, but like sales and finance and where do you learn that from? And did a lot of that come from probably the opiates? Like just learning how to grind and finagle stuff? Or? I think a lot of it is just the ability to read people that, that really, and I don't know what to attribute that to. I, I've, I think a lot of the stuff I grew up with made me have to be able to read people in mm-hmm. situations pretty quickly. Um, but I've, I've always had an ability to know kind of when to step on the gas and when to pull back and, and kind of where that line is without really crossing it. So I can, I can push people pretty far and not, not have too many issues or also know when not to and just finagle a way to get a little something and yeah, just reading people just for sure just reading people and making sure that you're you're in tune with where they're at yeah all right so how did this how did the pills start getting back because I, I i don't mean to keep asking about this but i'm like i've heard how bad it got for you there and oh, it's dude, like, it, was it was shocking because like you know i heard the stories of how great you were and then of, of, the, of the collapse and i love that because you're killing life right now so i'll yeah. like get into the gritty like how did it start getting shitty and like so if you can take me through step by step because i've heard it got pretty bad there for you it got real bad um I got out of control with Mark. I started making a lot of money and started having access to a lot of cash that my wife didn't know about. Okay. You can only justify so many thousands of dollars out of the bank account without raising too many red flags. Um, and I was very good at justifying it. I did some very fucked up things to justify Mm it. Um, but then I started getting my Kia card and I started getting little stuff and I, you know, would have spiff cash all the time that I could replace in this bank. And yeah. yeah. And so, you know, now you, you blink and you're spending seven to 10 grand a month on pills. And now if you go more than six, seven hours without them, you're starting to get sick. It's not a, like, you notice it immediately. I would wake up and be starting withdrawals. Like, no joke. Yeah. I would wake up the second my feet hit the floor. I would chew three thirties, 
wait about 15 minutes and chew a 4.30 every morning. Do you remember like the first time you got dope sick and like how bad it was? Because I'm going to tell you, so yes, it's funny. I'll tell you a quick story real quick. Uh, my prison pops and OG, sh shout out to Scotty Molino. Um, he got me like literally on drugs. So I was with that. I was in that relationship with the CO, have the dope sack, everything. But I don't even use drugs at this time. I literally don't. I had tried snorting heroin a few times. I couldn't stand the taste of it, so I didn't mess with it really. And then, of course, I do. I start slamming heroin, of course, just like everybody else does, you know. And then one day we get, like, locked down. And I was just like, I remember telling him, I was like, holy shit, bro, I'm sick. And yep. he starts laughing because I remember I told him forever. I was like, bro, why can't you just quit using drugs? Like, so for the first years of my sentence, I was just the, I didn't touch drugs. And I was, yep. like, just roasting him, like, bro, stop using drugs, you know. It's easy, just quit. Of course, right? So yep. that's what I'm telling him. And I'm, like, sick. And he's, like, he starts laughing. I was like, why are you laughing? This is not funny. But I'm, like, sick, sick, you know. And he's like, I told you. He's like, why don't you just quit? Why don't you just quit? And I'm like, bro, I didn't know it would get me this sick. And he's like, oh, just wait. And I'm like, you literally will feel like this? He goes, Chap, why do you think I haven't quit? I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, like, you don't sleep that night. And it, oh, it no. is the worst of the worst. It's miserable. It's the so worst do you, flu. Do you, your first time getting sick, you probably freaked out and just went and got a pill, right? And then you're like, holy shit, I, I can't couldn't. be sick. That's like when that, I right? knew I had a problem. Gotcha. So I was supposed to get some an evening. I was actually at Mark. Oh, This is the first I got, like. trying to sell warranties? I was, I was. Supposed to get some that evening. There was a Circle K across from the old Kia store. They were going to pull up to the, the Circle K and text me when they got there, and I just run over. N didn't come. They were supposed to be there early afternoon, like two, Damn, three. Damn, crazy doing straight drug deals, making three, four hundred grand a year. Oh yeah. Do it. yeah, yeah. And no text, no text. I start getting sweaty. My stomach starts going. I've been sweating through my. Shirt. I hadn't had anything since that morning, and I only had like one or two. So I, I was so almost out. Now my stomach's upset. Now I'm going to the bathroom. Now I'm full on sweating. And that's when I'm like, you are dope sick. And, and that moment, it was different from then on. Then, then I knew I, I couldn't deny to myself I had a problem. I knew you are physically dependent on these. Mm -hmm. And then I started the psychological game of you need these. Without these, you can't do what you're doing. Yeah. You have so then to you spend made it, this. You pretty much made your mind up like you're, you're not getting sick. You got to keep doing opiates. Yep, yep. So just like that, of a quick thing, and now you're sh literally strung out on strung opiates. Strung out. If, I'm, if I go more than six, seven, eight hours with them, I'm... And how are you doing? Are you nodding out at work? Is, it, is work no, okay? No, see, I, my, my work was fine. I didn't start nodding out until benzos came into the picture. Gotcha. When it was just opiates, I was good. Okay. I, I, I don't mean to... I was good. Like, okay. I could be right here and you'd have no clue. Yep. Like, it, I just eased into it for so long yeah. that it was just a normal behavior for me. Okay. Benzos got into the picture and that changed the whole game. Did something like bad stuff start happening at work? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I nodded off a couple times. I got called by job. I remember one time specifically I was, I was in the tower. They were doing a sales meeting and I was, I was sitting there and I remember like sitting up and one of my sales guys was in the chair right in front of me. And I was like, my gut, and I was like, What's up, buddy? How long you been there? <laughs> oh, probably 10 minutes. I was like, are you Oh, kidding? that's the worst. When you nod on the look, I'm like, how long was he watching me do this for? Five minutes later, um, Josh calls me. Hey, can you come see me? And Josh was at the, uh, the Mitsubishi dealership at that time. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Hop in my car, go over there, got sent home. And from there, it was a, a slippery slope. I, I lied to him and told him that it was a seizure medication because I did have a benzo seizure medication. Uh -huh and told him that I had mixed it, and that was why I showed him the prescription, blah, 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 blah. So I don't think he could do anything, if that makes sense. For but sure. by that time, by the time benzos had come into the picture, there were, it had been questionable. There had been enough things where, like, I would disappear. So, you know, it's 1 o'clock, and I'm supposed to get pills. 
I'm thinking it's a 20 minute run around the corner. I'm telling them I'm getting lunch and it turns into a four hour escapade me trying to go to this place, you're to this place, to this Phoenix place. You're still in North Phoenix trying to find this dude, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it was those kind of, when are you gonna be back? Oh, in 10 minutes and three hours later you yeah. show up. How'd you know? get into the benzos? I was sitting in a Walgreens parking lot with a lady I used to buy a lot of pills from. She was waiting for her guy to come fill his script. He just never showed, never showed, never showed. And she was like, you know, I've, I've got some um, Zanny bars. And I was like, what's that? She goes, you don't know what those are? And I was like, no. She goes, oh, you're going to love these. Goes and That's gets literally them. how Meth got brought up to me, too. He's goes like, oh, gets you'll love it. She was like, you've got a pretty high tolerance. So I took two white bars. I don't know bars, anything yeah. about them. Took them and dude quickly. I was like, oh, this is nice. My, I didn't care if I had the oxys or not. My, I, I wasn't sick. I wasn't going through full withdrawal, but I needed some. That curbed that. I felt good. So in my head, I bought the whole bag she had, whatever it was, bought the whole bag, yeah, and was like, I'm gonna use these and quit Oxy. This is my way, I'm gonna do this. Yep. And it's funny how we all justify the same. Oh yeah, and that lasted about seven seconds. I did that one time in prison at Steiner, some dude had brought in the dope sack, and then the dude screwed up and he brought in just a bunch of Xanax instead of heroin. I was like, all right, I'll just buy all these Xanax, I'll just do Xanax, yep. Xanax bars for like, eat, a, we, like a week myself off Yeah, yep. wean myself I, off heroin. I did the same thing, and that, that point, that, I, so let me rewind. I had lost my job by the time I had, I had started buying Xanax. Okay. So right at the very end, I had a couple. Um, you lost a job at Kia? Yes, before. What was the final thing that made you, that made you get out of there for? So because there you, had had to do, you had to screw up pretty bad because a lot of guys don't know this, but if you're in a sales job, which is like full on sales like that, and you run the numbers that you run, you can get away with murder. You, do, you literally can get away with everything but murder. The final straw was we had a flooring meeting with Ally that had been set for like three months. Uh-huh. I didn't get pills I needed the night before. I was sicker than shit that morning. And I called Josh and told him that I'm not gonna be able to make it to the ally meeting. And this was a big deal to Mark. Yeah. So I'd have to ask them what the internal talkings were, but later that day I got a phone call and Josh was like, we're gonna, we're gonna part ways, buddy. Wow. And I was like, really over this? And he was like, yeah, I was like, I'm sick. And I, dude, I was such a master manipulator. I, You're I- You're playing the victim, you fire me and I'm sick. Oh, I played the victim. I, I had a, a pituitary tumor that I milked the daylights out of. It's embarrassing to say that, but I did. Yeah. And I would play that card with him and I was sick from this and all that stuff. And he knew I wasn't, you know? And then mm-hmm. um, from that point on, the next probably year was the roughest year of my life. That's good. That's the one I want to hear. Like, what'd you do the next day and what's going through? Like, take me to your mind. So the next day I, I, Cause a lot I of didn't tell my wife at right first. Now, you know? I didn't tell my wife at first. Okay. Um, actually, the next couple days came down and met with Josh. So. Couple days kind of went back and forth about trying to figure something out. And you're supporting your family solely at this time too, right? Solely. And yeah, and I mean, we lived a life of, that was used to making a certain amount of money. For sure. And, uh, and so once I realized that wasn't an option, I was in a depression, went balls deep in the pills, um, cashed out 401k, uh, had a lot of cash, had some savings, wasn't too worried, was going to start a consulting company for the car business. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I ruined with my pill use, actually had some great contacts with my reputation oh, yeah, that I yeah. was going to get in, had some contracts on the table that I could have gone in and done some training. But my, and my wife has these videos of me calling them hired and shit on pills, making no sense, calling GMs and owners of groups. Brutal, dude. But that next year consisted of that, me taking, ox, taking oxys and Xanny bars the entire year nodding out. Um, it was a constant year of cat and mouse with my wife. 
her seeing me getting all messed up and trying to find where I have the pills hidden and going and finding them and throwing them away. And then me thinking I got so high I took all of them and then just going and buying more. It was a brutal, brutal, I mean, it was literally seven to 10 grand a month in pills with no income. Are you, th and are you thinking like there's a, are you even like trying to plot on a way out? Or are you just still like, is your mindset, you're still probably so depressed right now, you're not even thinking about that, you're just it's, getting high. It wasn't depressed, I, I was very good at just lying to myself. Like you're gonna, you'll, you'll close one of these dealers and you'll tell them you need a 50 grand check up front and you'll, blah, and you'll, and you'll be good. Yep. Cause I've always just We're figured so it similar, out. Bro, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I've always just figured it out. So even if it gets down to crunch time, you know what I mean? Yep. Like you're Come like perform best. Exactly. Like I, I figured it out and yeah. I, I did, I, I still figured it out for that next year. And, and you know, it just, it just got to a point that my family saw there was an issue. My family did a quote unquote intervention. Oh, did they really? Well, pseudo like they, my dad came up, my wife had my dad up and my daughters were there and, uh, um, kind of had to sit down with, what's going on, there's a problem, that kind of thing. And so that, that moment was a, a very surreal moment for me. I remember a specific moment looking at my daughter and, and realizing that the pain that was on her face was from me. That flipped a switch from that moment on, I was done. And I, I did good. Um, you probably didn't even realize, and to be honest, did you even, you probably didn't even realize how bad it affected your kids. No, point, right? not at all. Did you justify to yourself, like this is all me, no one I honestly didn't stuff. think anybody really knew even at the end when there were benzos, I really didn't realize how bad it was until you see videos of yourself. Like I said, until you like, can think back and reflect and, and you're like, think back and like, how did I do Oh, that? my kids saw me like this. Oh, everybody saw you like this. Once a week, you were like this. And you're sitting there drooling and like leaned over in a chair and, you know, it's just, it's humiliating. But I, I, I never once intentionally hurt my kids ever. My sure. kids are, are my life. Seeing that was, was a very surreal moment for me. That, that was one of those game-changing moments. I had, a, I had a couple with my recovery, and that was one of them. Um, I got clean, a couple months later, ended up getting in a car accident, was in ICU. What was the final step to you getting clean? Uh, Do you that, remember? I was stopped it? then. Okay. So we had the family meeting, okay. I stopped then. I had some Xanax. My wife kinda, for three or four days, would give me one or two halves here and there to kinda keep me at bay, yeah, so, yeah. and, uh, and I, I stopped then, okay? so. That was... What tools did you use? Because there's a lot of people, and there's some people... Nothing. Do, some people do meetings. Nothing. Uh, it's, that doesn't work for some people. So what did you do? I quit. You did I something mentally? Or like, what, I, you just I, told yourself that? Or what made you make your mind and just do it? I saw the look in my daughter's face. So every that, day you're just remembering that, that look on her face? That pain and, and just... When the, the person you're supposed to protect you hurt like that and you you see it it does something to you and it, it, she wasn't bawling she wasn't like hysterically crying but I, I was sitting on a couch and I have a sectional and she was sitting on the other end and my dad was talking he was sitting in my recliner and I was listening to him and I remember I kind of had my hands between my knees and I looked up and I just saw her and just the the sheer pain in that kid's face just you know and I I remember thinking at that moment, like, you did that, dude. Like, that's because of you. Like, all of that is on you. And so I, from that moment on, I, I tried my best to, to not do anything. Um, I, I had success. I, I did ease off with some Xanax. That was the end of April, mid-April. Um, and then the beginning of June, I was in a car accident. 
Um, had a couple lung surgeries, um, had a pulmonary contusion where my lungs were filling up with blood, I was suffocating, was in ICU for a minute and was pumped full of opiates there. Left with a prescription of 15s, abused the shit out of those. I was gonna say that probably started right back up. Oh yeah, and then that, that turned into another game-changing moment with, with my wife where, you know, um, I knew that you can't do this again. We can't go down this road again. And you probably, like, the, like literally just on the second day of using those pills, you're right back to where you left off. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I remember if it was the first day I was home or the next day, I ended up taking eight of them. I remember it very well, which was 4.30s, and I hadn't done that for a while. And I was very disappointed because I thought I was going to get really high, and I, I didn't. And I was thoroughly disappointed. I remember that very Think well. about that mindset. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Instead of worrying about anything in life, you're literally mad that you relapse and 100%. get really high. 100%. Yeah. Wow, bro, that's crazy. So how did this one, how long did that little stent go right then? Not long at all. That okay. was just that script, and, and my wife and I kind of had to come to Jesus, and, and uh, that's when I stopped, and then that's when I went to work at, at Santan. Okay. And uh, was there for almost seven years. And then what were you using? Because I know you do, you do a ton of stuff. You got a clothing company and stuff. Were you, did you start getting, once you got sober... With, with no tools, I guess literally just doing it by yourself with talking to yourself. So I, guess, I, a, I did a, a lot of things. I, I don't want to say nothing. So I, I, I journaled every okay. day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Give us some people out so don't um, like meeting. I, I wanted to know what happened. So for me, I, I, I had to really own where I was. Like, you're here, dude. This is where you're at. I wanted to know how I got there. How, how did I, I'd never have done any legal drug in my life. How did I end up here in this godforsaken place? What happened? Mm -hmm. So any second I had, I was looking into Purdue Pharma, the Sackler family, Oxycontin, the FDA, every rabbit hole I could go down in those I would go down. I wanted to learn as much as I could about that. Then I, I wanted to learn as much as I could about addiction and yeah. the type of people that become addicts and what causes it. And is it something that is hereditary? Is it a gene? Is it, you know, what, how does this work? And I journaled daily, um, sometimes multiple times a day a day and so that was a that was a big self-reflection was a big thing for me walking through my recovery that was that was probably the most important thing is this the self-reflection and the self-accountability and the trying to understand when you get clean man especially after a 15 plus year pill use you you have to really learn everything about yourself who you are and Over you kind again. of start from scratch yeah. like you you really do and so that that was really my my focus when I when I started getting clean and I I have so I would I would journal a lot when I was using pills uh -huh. that I wanted to get clean and I wouldn't say I'm going to quit pills I would call it getting clean because then if anybody saw it I could mm -hmm. say well, I was talking about my diet because yeah. I was quite a bit heavier then so I sure. get clean my diet oh my god yeah I saw a picture <laughs> yeah. there. holy shit bro I had no idea yeah we got to put one on on this thing but I could not believe that bro because yeah. I've always seen you just shredded seventy pounds oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you don't even look like the same dude. No, not at all. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm as, Seriously. as crazy as that is, I'm, I'm not. But yeah, um, I just lost my train of thought. What were you saying? Um, I lost mine too. I was asking you about... What was I saying? I lost my train of thought. No. You were talking about journaling. Like oh, sorry. I was, we'll I was journaling. So I, I had to get clean. So I have years of letters from journaling when I was using pills. Yeah, yeah. And then from that, 
I journaled through my recovery, and that's that's what I will use. I, I will have a book called out coming out that's called Letters from an Addict. I was gonna, I was about to say some of those letters would probably be pretty gold yeah, lines. And I, I've been working on it. There's a lady who's helping me do it, and I, I've got the ending to kind of finish up. And I might be being a little too hard on myself with it, but it's, it's mostly done. But it's amazing to go through and see these letters, and I can see my handwriting change. Really? I, oh, dude, I go from writing nice to just this like. Weird. Just, oh, I remember just not not. Oh yeah, you can see it. And there's some of those too where it just kind of moves and you go yeah. back and or Even there'd be the eraser mark. Yeah, yeah, and you know going through them. But that's that was all. You know, it's all part of the the process of of. Walking when you're that. writing journaling, what are you writing there? Because a lot of people just like write gratitude moments. What are you writing on those? Because here's the, I I have a one of my goals is I want to start like journaling, writing down gratitude stuff like that. So just curious for other people that, that aren't into it too. What are you actually so I writing would, down? I would self-reflect and I would write what I was thinking, what I was feeling, what I struggled with that day, what I felt that day. I wanted to try to, so for me, when I first got, got clean, I, I thought I was broken. I, I truly did because I, I didn't have the education or the knowledge to know what withdrawal was going to look like, what recovery was going to look like. Yeah. I couldn't eat without going to the bathroom for five minutes in five minutes. Mm -hmm. My nose ran constantly. My stomach was messed up constantly. Like, I was I would see a freaking puppy chow commercial and start crying like it was the mm -hmm. craziest thing and I, I truly thought I was broken so that was a big part of it at that time is I wanted to kind of figure out like what's going on with you mm -hmm. um, and it, it's I think in with with recovery it's important for an addict to kind of be able to look back because we're so hard on ourselves you can see when you do that daily, you can see growth, you can see improvements, you can see something that really bothered you here, where here it wasn't that big of a deal, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and sure. so it, it helps build that confidence. I think confidence is a big part of recovery because you know, the further away people get, the more success they have and there's something to I always talk about Believe the confidence is huge in anything in life. If you, if you tell yourself that you can do it, you can do it. If 100%. you tell yourself you can't do it, you can't do it. Either way, you're right. With sobriety, with looking yep. good, working out, it, it's anything, it's all the same thing. 100%. So how did you get into then, you got like, you know, you have the iFight, clothing line and a ton of other stuff like you I feel like you got into a bunch of new projects now that you got sober too and then how do you use that to like help occupy time because a lot of people once they do finally get sober then they have a lot of idle time that they need to occupy now yeah very true so I fight I and had how'd you teach yourself that stuff because a lot of people go to meetings and get recovery ways to do that stuff you've literally like you could say you're almost self-taught yourself so well yeah I just I view addiction different than than anybody I know I don't I don't want to cause any issues for you, but I don't look at it as a disease. Yeah. I look at it as a superpower, and I know that sounds crazy, but I, I do. A determined addict is unstoppable. They, they truly are. When an addict sets their mind to something, they're not going to be denied. So in my head, if you can teach an addict to heal whatever they're... We, we all use something to avoid something else, right? It's, we're feeling or trying to fill some avoid. kind of a void in our yep. life, or it's easier to take this substance or drink this drink than it is to sit and deal with yeah. this or feel this. If you can sit and deal with that and feel that and actually walk through that storm, on the other side of that is a superpower that you can truly use to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. Yeah. When you set your mind to it, you're just going to make it happen. And so that, that, uh, that's what I'm trying to bring back with iFight. iFight was a, a clothing line in the early 2000s, uh, like uh, 2007 through 13, 14 in the MMA world. At one point, it was a decent-sized company, nothing huge, but we were in a few locations, a few retail locations. Um, had a handful of fighters sponsored, would do a bunch of events, and you know, it was a, a profitable company. It wasn't yeah. big, but it was, sure. it was doing well. My addiction ran that right into the ground. There was a lot of cash in that. 
And so you'd get $500 for a shirt or $1,000 for a shirt, and it's supposed to go to this vendor, do this or that, and they'd find their way to pills somehow, and then this person wouldn't get it, and I'm lying about this guy not paying. Just, I just ran it right into the ground. Okay. So I, uh, a couple years ago, was floating, and uh, it came to me that I wanted to bring it back as an, like a recovery line, an activewear line. Um, I don't know what to call it just because I, I want to bring it back as an inspirational clothing line just because the, the tagline before and it still is believe in your fight. We all have a fight, everybody. We all have a demon we face. We all have that battle we face. Mm -hmm. Everybody has something in their life that they have to, to fight. And that's kind of where I want to transition the, the clothing line into. How great of a feeling is it when you finally like, got over the hurdle too and you realize that like, you got some confidence, so you realize that you can do this sober. And another thing, like you're not gonna have this boring ass life when you are sober, because that was the biggest thing with me. Is like I'm not ready to, for the fun to be over. Yeah. With, you know what I mean? Yeah. How cool is it too when you like finally realize, like, damn, I can actually do this. You know what I'm saying? And then how much more confidence do you have with anything in the world? Because like once you do finally get sober and you've like got through the hardest thing in your life, then you're like, dude, if I got through that, like nothing else is tough to me. 100%. I that very much all the time. I use that as like a reference for myself all the time. Like. Dude, you walk through this on your own by your, you can do this. Literally nothing. So that's that. why I say, you say like, I don't remember the comment you made about like addicts, um, what, whatever you said, like we're badasses, but yeah, like- Superpower? Yeah, and I said the same thing, like addicts have an advantage on the rest of the world. 100%. Dudes that, get, they, dudes that are all just getting out of prison have an advantage on the rest of the world. We've had our backs up against the wall. We've been on the ground 10, 10 floors below what the regular rest of the public is and yep. little shit doesn't affect us like it does other people. Yep. You can use the car dealership. How many guys are literally sitting at the car dealership and literally will throw a fit and crap out and won't work for a week because they got stroked on three car deals in a row yeah. and didn't sell no damn car and they look really want to not commit suicide but they're just like over with it and I'm like, that doesn't even hit the scale to a guy me. that's been through yeah. shit. You know what I'm saying? You're yeah. on to the next one, which is yeah. why it helps us make so much more money, which is why a lot of ex-cons go into car sales and they kill it there. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The, you yeah, so anybody that that's in hustle. prison do thinking about that too. Yeah. Like, go literally sell some cars and get out there. Because another thing, car dealerships, if you got a bad record and you can talk, you can talk your way into them hiring you. You 100%. know what I'm saying? Because they know that's the way you're going to sell cars it's too. It's such a result-driven business. Yeah. If you can produce, they're going to keep you on. They'll figure out a way. 100%. Yeah. So what else do you have going on now? Um, in your life and how much of recovery stuff do you have going on there? And then how great is the relationship now with the wife and kids? Everything with the family is amazing. Um, I'm, I'm so blessed. It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm very thankful. I have a great relationship with the wife, with the kids, my father, my grandmother, the important people in my life. Um, and it's nice to know that they're proud of me as opposed to embarrassed or disappointed in me. You know, yeah. I, for a long time they were. For a long time I was the disappointment and the for problem sure. and the, you know, oh, it's Kyle doing Kyle stuff mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And to not be seen as that guy is, is amazing. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great. I've got the clothing line that I'm slowly bringing back just as I can. Um, I have the power of appeal stuff with just some some of my writings and and uh, some venting and just some addiction stuff on mm -hmm. there, and uh, that's really all I do. I I, uh, I have probably 15 to 18 people any given time that I'm working with that have reached out on some kind of social media that I talk to on and off, whether some are text, some are phone calls, mm -hmm. you know. So it just kind of depends. I anybody who needs help reaches out. I respond and get back to them and do whatever I can to 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 help them. So. Um, ultimately, I'd like to end up opening up a life center and, and kind of put a new spin on the way people look at addiction and recovery. Yeah. And, uh, um, but that's something that, you know, down the road will. That's dope. Um, if you could tell yourself anything, say 10 years ago, would you 
And, or what would you tell yourself, and would you change anything about your life? No, I wouldn't. I, walking through my addiction is, is the first thing that I'm truly proud of in my life. Yeah. And when you finally get to a place like that in life, like, I, I'm not joking, bro. I wouldn't take back my 12 years in prison. No. Like, seriously. And I did eight, nine years of slam down. I would have done all that, too. Like, no joke. I wouldn't change anything because, like, once I found, like, my faith and, like, it was all part of the plan and it just, it just makes, it gives you so much more strength to accomplish other stuff I was here. 40 years old before I could look in the mirror and like what I yeah, saw. Right? You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I had all the out. nice suits and all yeah. the nice clothes and put on the facade all that I carried. It was yeah. all fake, man. It was yeah. all fake bullshit. And, uh, you know, I earned that. I, I walked through those storm, storms and I faced those demons and did what I needed to do to be able to be proud of myself and, and who I am and what I've become. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's taken me, you know, I'm, I'm 45. It's taken me just probably the last six, eight months to be completely honest. My relationship with the Lord has changed and grown by leaps and bounds. I, I, I know something's happening. I can feel it in my spirit. You just see all the stuff that's going on in the world, and it's just imperative that that's a part of people's life. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have the relationship with my wife, my kids, with God, with, you know, anybody if I hadn't walked through my, my addiction and gotten clean. And I owe everything to that, yep. everything. You know, it, 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 it's literally made me who I am. My recovery has literally made me the man I am. Totally different person. It's crazy, Absolutely. right? All right, one last thing. Anybody that's, whether they're sitting in a prison cell or they're just out here working at a car dealership and still on it, like one little piece of advice to like take the next step, to make a change. Quit like pills? Anything, yeah. You, you, you can do it, take the first step, start right now. I, I spent so many years that I was gonna start Wait until Monday. the next day to start. It was right. always yeah. Monday for me. It I've done it always years, Monday. bro, years. Yeah. yeah, and looking back, you know, it, it seems like next Monday, next Monday, and before you know it, you've done that for five years. Seriously. And as you get And older, what's gonna happen is inevitable. Like, no matter what, like if you're listening to this right now, you're gonna get dope sick, yep. no matter what. It doesn't matter if you push you it off now two or weeks, three, three weeks or six weeks, it's gonna get worse, and yep. you, but you are 100% gonna get dope sick and you have yep. gotta get over it. And just walk through it, just do it. The greatest it feeling in easier. the world, I have ever, I'm not joking, I think getting out of prison is comparable to, I'm not joking, like getting, going off a bad dope run and like when you finally feel like a normal human being. Like you have your feet underneath After you. like what, two or three weeks of being on drugs, you don't sleep right, and then like once you finally, I remember like when you get that first night of good sleep, and yeah. like you wake up the next day and you're like, I'm actually a human being. Yeah, and there's that's a little great. light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's the yeah. greatest feeling in the world. 100%. Anyways, dude, thank you for being here. Everybody, um, do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast, do a like, follow, go check out Kyle Stark stuff. Tell everybody how to find all your stuff too, please. Kyle.Stark01 on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, I do TikTok more than anything else, but uh, that's my handle. There we go. And then stay tuned for my book, Against All Odds, coming out in two weeks too. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Roll Call with Chappie. Appreciate you being here.